0: Will you turn with me to the scriptures again? Turn to 1 John chapter 3 again. 1 John chapter 3. I'm just going to lift a couple of verses or so. But keep your Bible open for we will be referring to quite a portion, a lot of scripture. Again, excuse my voice, I'm trying to clear it and... It's just a little strained at the minute. First John chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your great love, for your tender care and your mercies. We thank you, Lord, that when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for us, the ungodly. We thank you, Lord, that when you were in eternity before there was a sinner on this earth we had a saviour in heaven we thank you father that this salvation we have is completely uniquely totally fully and only dependent on your son and in him and his finished work at Calvary's cross we thank you for the precious blood that he shed for us his broken body on the tree. We thank you, Father, Lord, though he went to the tomb and into the realms and the regions of the dead. We thank you that he died, but that even though they rolled a great stone over the tomb and put a seal on it and a guard, yet the tomb and the grave could not hold him. And up from the grave he arose. We thank you, Lord, that you have raised him up and that he is now seated at the right hand of God we thank you he's in a place of power and authority on on level with anything that we know Lord we ask you now that you've since you've given us your spirit that you would help us to understand the word of God and Lord that we would take this word into our hearts even as you've told us the truth had been preached in this place from this pulpit We ask you, Father, that you would now reveal yourself more through Christ and your spirit would take the word of God and elevate your son. And, O God, that he alone would be known and seen. So, God, help us through thy word and in the authority of your word alone to glorify him and to build up the saints of God in their most precious faith. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen a little bit further on in time this morning we worship took us on a little bit more but sure that's the way things go at times and last week if you were here if you weren't here I'm not going to do so much of a recap but just give you a little pointer of what had happened what we spoke on the title is the otherworldly love of God the otherworldly love of God and we looked at how John says behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And we looked at how he alone is holy. That is, God alone is holy. Righteousness belongeth to the Lord. He is called the Lord who is holy. And he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So he expects holiness of us. But when God looks at us, he's seen a fallen world of lost sinners, depraved in our nature. He sees men and women in their sin. And if you're outside of Christ, he still sees you depraved in your nature. And outside of Christ, he sees you in your sin. And so the man and the woman who are outside of Christ, they're unsaved. They'll find that they will die in their sin without Christ and they will spend eternity without Christ, judged according to their depraved humanity, to their depraved nature, and judged according to their sin. But the the good news of this is, is that God loves us And when he enabled us, what I say, enabled by his Spirit, he quickened us. Man cannot just turn around and say, I believe in Jesus. Oh, they can say it from their their lips, but uh, except it be from God, they cannot say it because God must quicken the Spirit. God must do a spiritual resurrection in the hearts of men and women to be able to see the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, who's bore their sin and shame. And if man cannot see that, he cannot be saved, for he cannot know the Savior. So the man and the woman whom God speaks to in a meeting, or whether it's in the open air, or whether it's at home reading, or wherever it may be, under the sound of his word, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that is when the Spirit takes the sword, His sword, and slays, as it were, the heart of men and women to be able to see their inability to save themselves. To be able to see that they cannot save themselves and are lost forever, for eternity. But they, He also enables them to see the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore their sin and their shame on the cross. And so He's able, to, they're able to have faith in Christ and on His blood. And only in that. See, the Holy Spirit isn't going to show you another way to heaven because there is no other way. The Holy Spirit isn't going to show you another way or religion to glory or to the kingdom of God because there is no other way. So He will show you the truth. He's called the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. And because He leads you into all truth, He'll show you it's Christ alone. None other. He's exclusive in everything. The Lord Jesus, He's exclusive. Notice this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So we who were lost sinners, dead to him, who were selfish and lustful, uh, we who were totally uh, uh, irreconcilable in our own methods and ways, God now shows himself as high and lifted up, holy, never able to attain heaven, never able to attain his presence. We, we cannot know God whatsoever, save God comes down and reveals himself to us. So he did that in the person of his son. He did it to Israel in Old Testament through theophany, in the word of the Lord, through the prophets. And then in these last days, he has spoken to unto us by his son. Uh, that is what the book of Hebrews tells us. So when we look at this, we see, behold, what manner of love, the word, what or term, what manner of love, Uh, is the word potopas, And this is what it means. It means what country, nation, or tribe. Look around the countries. Look around the nations. Look throughout the tribes. See if you can find a love like this, like the love the Father has for us, that he would give enemies, his enemies, he would give for his enemies his only begotten Son. That he would would come for a, a, a wretch like someone like me, and bleed and die for me, even though he knew me and my sin. What manner of love is it? Try around the countries, the nations, the tribes, and you'll not find it anywhere. It means what sort of quality of love is this? This is a love that goes beyond our reach and our no ability. Right. Behold, what manner or what foreign kind of love it means. The Father hath bestowed upon us means that the love of God is foreign to the human race. Notice this, the love of God is foreign to the human race, and it's not found naturally in humanity. So John is showing us something here that's not of this world. Remember, the Holy Spirit puts on the brakes, as it were, and he says to us, we need to stop and think about what God has done for us and what Christ has accomplished on the cross. You see, everything reverts back to the cross. Everything looks toward the cross. Everything is gathered at the cross. Everything is in Christ. And when he died at the cross for us, behold, what manner of love, or what far realm, is another term. What far realm has this love come from? What unearthly love it is. How otherworldly is this love? How otherworldly is this love? That's why I chose to call it the otherworldly love of God. How do we express and explain this world, or this love that's unworldly? So then it tells us what manner of love. The term here in a question is, let's interrogate this love. Let's go into a, a state of investigation and interrogation that we may understand what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we, the sinners, that we ungodly and dead to Christ, dead to God, that we should be called the sons of God. By the way, the word sons there is a word, is. Technon. And there's another word for son or sons. It's huis. The word here, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, is the technon. In other words, when your child is born, they are technon. Your son or your daughter. Your child is born off you. They're yours. And everything you have is for them. Your love for them. Your care for them. Protection over them. Everything that the parent has is for them. You see, they already inherently, but don't realize it and don't know how to understand it nor walk in it. They are taken on like children. They have an inheritance in you. It's like the father to the elder son when the prodigal went and spent all his his inheritance on, on raddest living and comes back again. The father welcomes him in and the father is then approached by the elder brother and he says, I've stayed here all this time. And look what, you have welcomed this one and who squandered everything. I've stayed here all this time, and what about me? Paraphrasing, of course. And, and the father says, all that I have is yours. In other words, have you not grown up to know that everything of this, it was the, the farm and all that he had, belonged to him, the inheritance of it? And he says, all that I have is yours. And you see, the technon is, the son, the technon means all that the father has and inheritance is for you in Christ. So when you're, you're a technon, a son or a daughter of God, in other words, you have a great inheritance. And all the Father has, he has it for you. He's called you, adopted you, accepted you. That's the word. It gives the idea what sort of love would accept someone like me. I don't know what sort of love would accept someone like me. But all I know is it's an, an otherworldly love. It's a love that... Men wouldn't have wanted me. My family would have loved me, of course. But I wasn't an enemy to my family. I wasn't an enemy to my parents. I love them and they love me. But what about your enemies? How would you love them or do they love you? You see, it's otherworldly because even though we were uh, enemies to God and enmity with him, he still loved us and gave his son for us. Made us, called us, washed us. And he he 's called us the technon of God, so really Christian everybody who's in Christ becomes a taknon you're birthed. you're accepted in the beloved you're accepted in Christ. The word "we us" is when the it means a grown up son, one who has understood the things of God and growing up in him. so when a, a child gets older when your child gets older they 're going to understand this is my mom and this is my dad, and this is my, these are my parents they love me. And you start growing up, and not so much more you need them to clothe and look after you, but really you start to walk in the love that they have for you and then a relationship with them. You see, a child, when it is born, does not know the mother's the mother. It just knows that it's born, and here is where I feed doesn't know the father, but as it grows, it gets to know. And it gets to have a relationship with mommy and loves mommy and loves daddy. And as it grows and loves mommy and daddy, it gets a relationship walking with them. And they know there's an inheritance. Sometimes they want it now, but they can't get it to later. And God says, in Christ, this is my beloved son. This is my Agapitus weas my beloved, is the one who calls the love out of my heart. Jesus is the agape love of God. He is the agapetus, the one who's calling the love out of my heart, the Father says. He alone, he's the one who calls the love out of my heart. Listen, and before before the foundation of the world, you and I called the love out of the Father's heart before we were even thought of, before we were even born. God thought of us, God knew us, and in Christ, he gave us, looking down through time, he gave us to his Son, In eternity past, and so he set his love upon you. Not when you get saved. He didn't even set his love upon you when you were born of your mother. He set his love upon you in eternity. Think about this. This is the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. This love of God, he loved us in eternity before we were even thought of before Adam set foot in the garden, before there was a fall. God loved us way back then, and he set and placed his love upon us. And so the, the agapetus we us, who Christ was, is this is my son, and as a man, remember, he's a man of man, he's a human being, yet he's very God of very God. But he's a human being. He had to grow, and he had to learn. Listen, Jesus had all the functions that your human body had. Think about this. This is humanity. He had all the functions of a human body. He felt the pain in the human body and the tiredness, and the thirst and the weakness. He was tempted in all points that like, as we are, yet without sin. He knew everything in the flesh. You see, as God, he knows us. As man, he understands us. As God, he knows us. As man, he understands us. <clears throat> and so when he comes in the flesh, you see, we're already given to Christ. We're already given. We did not choose Jesus. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. He called us with a factual calling. He drew us with his grace. And the grace that he drew us with wasn't a grace that, well, it's a nicety. It's really the Spirit coming when we were undeserving. And it's called irresistible grace. He drew us until we could resist no longer. And he called us through his spirit where he quickened us and made us alive unto God to be able to understand and see our need of a savior. How can we resist such a one when he's displayed in all his glory, in all his splendor? And I'm not speaking of heaven. I'm speaking of the cross. You see, he enables us to see the glory of the cross, the gory, yes, the gory, yes, the blood and, and the sweat, the tears, the, the heartache and the hurt of it, yes, and the shame of it, but he enables us to see the glory of it, Christ dying in our room instead, in our place. He able, enables us to see God coming down. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. When we think of how wretched we were, and yet he did this for us. This whole gospel should be about Christ because it is about Christ. So in eternity, the love that the father had for his son, as he looks down through space, as it were, and nothingness and time, And he looks down through Adam's fall and he looks down through the formation of the nations and of Israel and the calling out of of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he looks right down through and he goes to the tribe of Judah and he goes right through the house of David and Judah and he brings out the, the, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ coming from that line and he says, I'm going to give you children. He shall see the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied. Christ is not disappointed, brothers and sisters. I want you to know that. Christ is not disappointed when men do not accept him and women do not accept him. Christ is not disappointed when men and women turn away from him. He's not disappointed. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Christ didn't come for some who will reject him. He came for those whom he knew beforehand. He came for the certain many. There is no failure with Jesus There is no failure in God. There's no failure that he came and maybe we'll accept him and some won't and maybe some will go on for a while and fall. Well, how heartbroken Jesus must be. Listen, friend, no. He came for his own. And he won't lose one. He will not lose one whom the Father hath given to him. Behold what matter of love. Why me? I don't know. Take it up with God. I don't know. I've taken it up with God. And I still don't know. Why me? I'll tell you why. It's because it's called electing grace. Electing love. And I can't understand, but all I know is that he loved me from before the foundation of the world. And he loved you when you're in Christ. And then he's loved you from before the foundation of the world. And he sent forth his son that he would bleed and die on your behalf and that he would call his own. My sheep, then that means there are others who are not his. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, he said. Oh, behold what manner of love. What sort of of, of otherworldly love is this that the Father's bestowed upon someone like me, that I should be called a child of God, that I should have an inheritance in, in Christ? And then when we grow up into the ways of God, especially where we're growing every day in sanctification, we're growing every day in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we walk with him and talk with him, and as we go through the mountains and the valleys with him, we find we're, we're growing every day. We're growing up into God. We're growing up into Christ until he returns. And look at what First John 3 And verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What is he like? He's glorified. He's the glorified Son of God, risen from the dead. What is he like this morning? He's in heaven interceding at the right hand of God for us. He's standing in the place of power and authority. There for me, the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know, I feel. Jesus lives and loves me still. Notice this. this This is out of this world, in other words. It's out of this world, and we cannot describe it nor explain it nor understand it fully, but we're grateful for it, and we love it. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God to have an inheritance in him. And when he comes, we shall be like him. We don't know what it's going to be like. We know, have an idea, that the Spirit through the Word uh, gives us the idea that when he comes, we're going to be, have a body fashioned like unto his own glorious body. That when Christ returns, that you and I are going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That you and I are going to be like Jesus. No more sickness and no more pain and no more aches, no more sore throats. I shouldn't be carried away this morning because my throat's tore out of me at the minute. But whenever whenever we see him, there'll be no more of it. There'll be no more death. We'll not be standing at the graveside of loved ones. We're not going to be watching them going down into a hole or whatever. And we're not going to hear someone pronounce a a, a prayer over them or or anything like this is going to be happening. We're going to be living in the fullness of Christ. We're going to be living as the wheat of God. The full inheritance of salvation will be ours. The full inheritance of a glorified body. The full inheritance of a full redemption, which is ours. You see, you're, you're redeemed and the only difference between your flesh and the flesh of a man out there, well, there is no difference. There is no difference, but yours has been bought with the precious blood of Christ and yours is his. You are not your own. You are Christ, which he has purchased with his own blood. That's the difference. And yes, we're failures. And yes, we've our faults. And yes, we've our temperaments. And yes, we've our ways about us. And we try to overcome the flesh with the Spirit and walk with the fruit of the Spirit. But we're still in these wretched old bodies till He returns. And then we'll be made like Him. I don't understand that. How could you ever be like Him? He's altogether lovely. He's the chiefest among 10,000 of our souls. But we will be like him in our glorified state through a glorified Christ. It's the only way. This salvation is just, the more we sit and think about it and the more we go over it and ponder it and the more we read about it and the more we pray over it and the more it just muses in our hearts and, and, and the more we just go over and over it, we, we find that it, it thrills our souls. And we just realize how futile man's attempts of salvation are on his own merit. How futile is it? How futile is it before you were saved, you're thinking, well, we're all right with God. God's a good God, and he is. But we're not all right without Christ. We're not saved without him coming and dying for us and rising again. We're not saved without coming under the fountain of blood. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I said, I've went away off my notes again. And this is just my introduction of last week's. So bear with me a moment. Bear with me. You see, when we look at this, we can see, behold what manner of love, what sort of, what other worldly love is this? that the Father's bestowed upon me, I'm thinking of me, you can think of you, that I should have an inheritance called the Son of God. And when you and I learn how to pray and how to, as it were, yield ourselves to the Spirit and grow in God and know the authority of the Word of God, you know what we're doing? We're becoming the whist, the grown-up children. We're coming into a relationship more closer to Him. And notice this, last week we looked at the the disciples coming out of the temple in Mark chapter 13 and verse 1. And what did they say? They said to Jesus, what manner of stones and buildings are here? Remember the stones and the buildings? I give you dimensions of them. 100 tons in weight. And they're looking at this great temple that had golden gates which reflected the sun, which showed glory throughout the whole of Jerusalem, and white marble that looked like it was snow caps on the mountains from a distance. Do you remember when we were talking about that? Well, they said, behold, what manner? What sort of earthly buildings are this? It's hard to explain this. Jesus says, this will be thrown down one stone at a time. How how ridiculous does that sound? For it's not a brick at a time, but hundred, some 100 tons in weight each stone. And Jesus says, one greater than the temple is here. If you think that this temple... God is in it. God is not in this temple. He says, the temple is changing. He says, uh, you're going to be the city of light. You are believer. You redeemed saint. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is not another big floating spaceship comes down out of heaven and lands on top of the old Jerusalem. The old Jerusalem is not the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem are the redeemed saints of God ruling and reigning with Christ. That's, right, yes. That's the New Jerusalem. Behold, what manner of love the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be like this. Notice this. He says it would be torn down one stone at a time. So that was what manner of stones. I can't go into it any further. You'd have to you get it online or you can get the CD of it. Secondly, quickly. Will you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? I'm going to have to do a third week in this. I hope you don't mind that. Luke chapter 1. See, that's why the Word of God is the living God, the living Word of God. Because it's alive and it just keeps going, it's eternal. Luke chapter 1, please, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. <clears throat> and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now, let's stop there. Keep your Bible open. I'll tell you what, let's read verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast it in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Notice this, brothers and sisters. First of all, we have what manner of stones, what manner of buildings, this temple. And the Lord says, this temple will be torn down. You're the temple. I'm going to make you my temple. You're going to be changed like unto me. I'm the light of the world now. You're the light of the world, he says. The city set in a hill cannot be hid. Like this great city that's glowing, as it were, with golden reflection and, and white marble, he says, it can't be hid. Everyone passing, it was blinded were said by it. They could hardly see with the glow of it. He says, no, you're going to be like that as my people, as the new Jerusalem, as the temple of God. You're going to be like that with the Spirit in you. Now we're told, what manner of salutation is this young virgin Mary said unto Gabriel? The salutation, in other words, was not of this world. It was otherworldly. It was foreign to humanity and all that Mary knew. The angel Gabriel, in verse 26, we're told, was sent from God. So it was otherworldly. It was an otherworldly messenger. He was sent from God to Mary in Nazareth. Notice heaven coming to earth again everything to do with all that we have, everything to do with our salvation and all that we are, is heaven coming to earth. It's not earth attaining heaven. It's heaven coming to earth. You sent from God. It was foreign to what humanity knows, this manner of salutation. Look what it says in verse, chapter 1, verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, "Heal." Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, brothers and sisters, you know that the Catholic Church take this to, to deify, as it were, Mary. To make her co-mediatrix. Now, she is not the co-mediatrix. Mary herself says later, we haven't time to go into it. My soul and the magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. But was she highly favored? Absolutely she was. Was she best among women? Absolutely she was. Was the Lord with, it, with her? Absolutely he was. So there's a right the, the right to appoint in that. But let's look at it. Hail, thou art highly favored. See what sort of salutation, what other worldly uh, greeting is this you've brought me? What you're saying to me? He says, Thou art highly favored. The word or the term highly favored here, <coughs> excuse me, means to honor with blessing. Now, if you're writing, writing, write this, because this will encourage you in days that lie ahead. To be highly favored means to honor with blessing. To be highly favored means to, listen, pursue with grace. In other words, this, uh, Gabriel is saying, you are honored with blessing, Mary. Or you're pursued with grace, Mary. It means to compass with favor. God's favor surrounding you, Mary. It means to be made accepted. This is a virgin girl who finds herself expecting with child. Now Joseph, her husband, was to, wanting to put her away privately and yet decided through the visit of the angel to keep her and to help her. But anyone else who would know this would stone her. Yet she's accepted by God. Think about this. She is accepted by the Lord. Doesn't that show you the difference in man and whom man and woman think they are? Does that not show you that when men and women turn you away and you're unacceptable with them, that that does not mean you're unacceptable with God? that you can be highly favored with God. You can be pursued with grace. You can be favored or compassed with God's favor. And men and women could still not want you. They would want to get rid of you and stone you, as it were. And yet this otherworldly grace or this otherworldly salutation, this otherworldly love of God comes to this young woman. She is honored with blessing, pursued with grace, compassed with favor, and she is made accepted. God makes you accepted. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're not accepted because of what man thinks and what man can achieve. We're accepted because what Christ has done. We're accepted because God in eternity hath already accepted his own Now, if he knew you then and loved you then and sent his son to die for you then and has drawn you by his spirit, then what makes you think he will get rid of you now? When you were an enemy with God, when you were opposed to God, he knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine. I am so unworthy of such mercy. And when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. What a Savior. Oh, what a God. What a Lord. He said to her, the Lord is with thee. And he says, blessed art thou among women. And he was and she was blessed too. Notice this. If you turn with me to Ephesians 1, we're going to finish this point in a moment, and that's us for this morning. Where does time go? Ephesians 1, verse 3. Notice what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Notice we're adopted by Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Isn't that is not that not fantastic? I wanna get Pentecostal for a minute on you here. In him. I wanna I wanna be alive unto God. I wanna rejoice in him. in whom we have redemption through his blood. Listen, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. The dominance of grace and the love that's otherworldly came and hung on a cross and died for a guilty, vile, wretch, miserable, depraved sinner like you and me. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We were, Mary is highly favored, but listen, so are you. I want you to hear this now. So are you. Mary was pursued with grace. So are you. Mary was compassed with favor. So are you. Mary was accepted. So are you. Verse 6 tells us, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Not he not he asked us to be accepted because many would turn him away, but because or according to the kata, the dominance of his grace and to the pleasure of his own goodwill, he says, He's mine, she is mine. Before you're even born. Now don't ask me to work it out predestined that you and I would be born of the spirit washed in the blood forgiven of our sins and going to glory behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon Ken Davidson oh you rotten filthy vile hell deserving wretch enemy of mine but I love you and I'm going to change your heart son And he comes, and he starts to work in me. And I've seen Christ bleeding for me, hanging in agony, and dying for me. And I realized this man was never, ever getting to the kingdom. Never. No matter how hard I tried, and I seen myself as a vile creature. But I seen him as a glorious Christ. And I says, Oh, it's Jesus for me. He did it for me. He died for me. That's enough for me. I'm going to glory, brothers and sisters. I think of a bit more work to do in this earth but nevertheless, whenever that be the next heartbeat or a hundred years time, well, I doubt that, (laughs) I'm going to glory. You know why? Christ died for me. Jesus died for you, brothers and sisters. Oh, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And you may say, for I have asked myself and I have asked God and I've went over it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times whenever I've felt at my lowest and I've said, Lord, what do you ever see in me? Why me? There's better people than me, nicer people than me. Like me. What manner of salutation is this, Lord? He says, Son, I've compassed you with my grace. You're highly favored in my sight. I've made you accepted in the beloved, my son, my agapitous the one, the grown, mature, only begotten Son who calls the love out of my heart and I love him so much I'm going to make you to be more like him. See, it's nothing to do with me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen. Oh. I'll do one more. Well, I'll do one more. I'll then get over the salutation. Rebecca's the going to sing something for us. Let's stay in an attitude of worship for the minute and stay quiet in our seats. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, that God would give me an inheritance, that God would give you an inheritance because of his son, the loveliness of Christ. He's a wonderful saviour.